section nine of the three lieutenants this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the three lieutenants by william henry giles kingston chapter eight part one cruise in the schooner in search of the missing midshipmen call at saba and find higson discover the wreck of the drodger deserted return unsuccessful the midshipmen mourned as lost the frigate and corvette sail for jamaica a boy overboard a hurricane at sea the corvette dismasted the next day and the next passed the drodger did not appear and the two captains became as anxious as were the three lieutenants to ascertain the fate of their midshipmen if you wish to go i will spare you for a few days said captain hemming to adair accordingly all three sailed in the swordfish having ascertained that the midshipmen intended visiting barbuda they first steered for that island there was a good stiff breeze and as the swordfish was a fast craft she rapidly ran over the thirty miles of water which intervenes between antigua and its small dependency it was not however all plain sailing as numerous shoals reefs and rocks surround the island mostly below the surface some only showing their black pates while from its slight elevation above the ocean at the distance of less than four miles it was scarcely visible a negro standing on the bowsprit end and holding on by the stay piloted the schooner giving his directions to the man at the helm in a sharp loud voice lubu may all oo can steady starboard keep her away steady lub 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 for oo life he screamed out waving his hand to enforce his orders the schooner just scraped clear of a rock round which the water hissed and bubbled and the pilot once more subsided into his ordinary calmness not a pleasant spot to find under one's lee in a gale of wind on a dark night observed terence it proves however that the crew of the drodger must have been sober or they could not have found their way clear of it the schooner at length came to an anchor and a messenger was sent off to the overseer who kindly came down at once and told them that he had seen the drodger outside the reefs and standing to the westward he pressed them to remain and partake of such hospitality as he could offer but eager to pursue their search they declined his invitation and the schooner was quickly again threading her way amid the shoals out to sea it was a question whether the drodger had continued her course due west or had steered northward to st bart's or southward to st eustatia or st kitts they finally decided after examining the chart to stand to the westward and call off saba as they approached the island a fishing-boat was seen standing out towards the schooner which was therefore hove to to let her come alongside 
i see higson and some of the others but all i fear are not there said jack who had been watching the boat through his glass in a tone which showed his anxiety higson was soon on board he gave a full account of what had happened i would sooner have lost my own life than allowed any harm to happen to the youngsters he added still i have hopes that they may have escaped needham is a prime seaman and he will have done what was possible to keep the drodger afloat though they were sadly short-handed i own still if the craft has not foundered as they had plenty of provisions and water aboard we may expect to see them again not the worse for their cruise we have all been on the lookout hoping to see her beating up to the island you will not blame me mr rogers more than i deserve and i couldn't help it you may depend on that the old maid as he spoke well nigh burst into tears jack and the other lieutenants assured him that they did not see how he could be blamed and they then set to work to consider what was best to be done they first compared notes and agreed as to the course of the hurricane and calculated the direction in which the drodger must have been driven and the distance she had probably gone recollecting that as she had been carried with the wind she must have been exposed to his fury for a much longer time than those on shore if it had not been for that they ought to have made their way back long before this observed jack perhaps they have gone to st eustatia or st kitts remarked murray i'm very sure sir that for our sakes they would have done their best to make saba said higson if they could have helped it they would not have deserted us jack as senior officer had to decide and he determined therefore to steer to the southwest for a couple of days keeping a bright lookout on either hand and then to beat back to antigua thus going over a wide extent of sea it would occupy them a week or more but captain hemming they knew would not object to the delay captain quasho and his crew as a punishment were left to find their way back as best they could and the schooner stood away in the direction proposed during the day higson or one of the midshipmen was at the masthead keeping a lookout on every side at night sail was shortened and the schooner stood backwards and forwards now to the northward now to the southward so that no risk might be run of passing the drodger in the dark three or four vessels were fallen in with but the same answer was received from all they had seen nothing of the missing craft under other circumstances they would have been very jolly for they had a good supply of west indian delicacies put on board by the owner of the vessel and had nothing to do but to eat and smoke when they felt inclined but they were much too anxious to enjoy themselves for another whole day they stood on still not a sign of the drodger jack felt greatly inclined to continue the search for a third day he reflected however on the risk of doing so it would take very much longer beating back and should light winds prevail they might run short of water and provisions and though he was ready to undergo any dangers himself with the prospect of recovering his brother he had no right he felt to expose others to them 
there was also the possibility of having to encounter another hurricane which might try the schooner capital sea-boat as she appeared to be the weather had again become threatening dark clouds collected overhead the wind fell and as the little vessel lay roiling her sides under the glass like swell down came the rain not a mere sprinkling like that of northern latitudes but in a perfect deluge the huge drops leaping up as they fell and flooding the deck those who could took refuge below the rest were wet to the skin before they could get on their greatcoats just before sunset a breeze sprang up and the clouds clearing away left the horizon more defined and distinct even than usual jack himself went aloft to take a look round and consider whether he should haul up at once and commence the long beat to antigua or stand on for a few hours longer he had already swept his glass round on every side when as he turned it once more towards the south-west just clear of the setting sun his eye fell on a dark object almost on the very verge of the horizon it seemed a mere speck though it might he thought be a dead whale or a piece of wreck or only a mass of floating seaweed his directions to the man at the helm to steer for it called all hands on deck and several came aloft various opinions were expressed old higson was positive that it was part of a wreck of some unfortunate vessel lost in the late hurricane or the whole hull of a small craft dismasted the breeze freshened and hopes were entertained that they might get up to it before darkness settled down over the deep it could soon be seen from the deck i knew that i was right and i wish from my soul i wasn't exclaimed higson as he looked steadily through his glass that's a small craft on her beam ends and it's my belief that she's the snapper i trust not said rogers who overheard him if she is the snapper what has become of the poor youngsters perhaps they are still clinging to her sir answered higson i have known men hold out on board a craft in as bad a position as she is in but they are boys and must have succumbed to hunger and thirst even if they escape being washed overboard when the craft capsized observed murray who was not inclined just then to take a hopeful view of matters i'd trust to my nephew holding out as long as any youngster ever did said adair the others have not less pluck in them i see no signal and as they must have made us out long ago if they were aboard i fear they are gone sighed jack faith it's likely enough they have nothing to make one with observed adair i'll not believe they are lost every glass on board was continually kept turned towards the object ahead as the schooner approached however no one could be discovered on board it was nearly dark by the time she got up with it several voices on board the schooner hailed but no reply came she hove to and a boat was lowered jack terence and higson jumped into her 
hand a lantern here cried higson as they were shoving off they were quickly alongside the hapless craft it was then seen that she had been capsized with her sails set which with the mast and rigging assisted to keep her in her present position probably also her ballast having shifted contributed to do so as she was only partially filled with water not a human being however was visible higson seizing the lantern leaped on board and climbed up to the companion hatch jack and adair were about to follow but they observing that even his weight made the water flow over the bulwarks saw that it would be more prudent to let him search alone they waited for him anxiously he quickly put his head up the hatchway she's the snapper no doubt about that but there's not a soul aft he exclaimed at all events however they were not starved for there are plenty of provisions in the locker having let himself down into the hold holding on to the combing with one hand he stretched out the other with the lantern so as to let its light fall on every side no one was there he then made his way into the forepeak it seemed to jack that he was a long time absent though in reality scarcely a minute passed before he scrambled out again what has become of the youngsters i can't say but on board this craft they are not nor is there monkey spider who with his long tail to hold on by was not likely to be washed overboard he exclaimed as he sprang back into the boat the sooner we shove off the better for she is filling fast and may go to the bottom at any moment i can't bear to leave her though without having a look round said jack taking the lantern from higson he made his way into the little cabin and was soon convinced that higson was right not a trace of the midshipman could he see he searched the hold and the forepeak they were not there dead or alive jack came back to the boat and sat down feeling very sorrowful let me go in again said the old mate as he took the lantern he was back very soon with three small carpet-bags in his hand be sharp cried adair she is going down he spoke truly higson made a leap into the boat which shoved off just as the drodger giving a slight roll sank from sight the crew pulled away from her i could only find my own and two other fellows bags said higson the others must have slipped down into the water the boat at once returned to the schooner with the sad intelligence norris and the master's assistants were very glad to get back their carpet-bags their recovery it is possible somewhat consoled them for the loss of their young messmates they at all events congratulated themselves that they had not been on board the drodger when she was blown away from saba jack who loved his brother dearly was very much grieved at his loss so was terence for gerald though he thought most of the sorrow his sister would suffer when she heard of her boy's death arrah now i wish that i'd let him stay at home and turn farmer but then to be sure he might have been after breaking his neck out hunting so it comes to the same thing in the end he exclaimed with as near an approach to a sigh as he ever uttered och a home port noah the sweet crater and i not able to bring her back the boy 
murray was less demonstrative but he knew that young archy would be truly mourned for in his distant highland home the schooner now commenced her long beat back to antigua there was every prospect of its being a tedious business but there was a fresh breeze and by carrying on though the topmast bent like willow wands english harbour was gained at length captain hemming felt the loss of his midshipmen but when the matter was explained to him he acquitted old higson of all blame only i will never as long as i command a ship allow my midshipmen to go away for their amusement by themselves he observed they run risks enough as it is in the course of duty this being reported in the berth made norris and others very angry and they were much inclined to abuse poor tom and gerald for getting drowned and thus being the cause of the restriction likely to be placed on their liberty the two ships were now ready for sea murray went to pay a farewell visit to the houghtons kind mrs houghton who for stella's sake as well as his own took a warm interest in him for she having keener eyes than the colonel knew perfectly well that they were engaged had letters of introduction ready to her daughter mrs raven to the bradshaws stella's relatives and to other friends you'll receive a hearty welcome and i have just hinted how matters stand they agree with us that the colonel has no right to be dragging his daughter about in the way he does and will be thankful to see her placed under the guardianship of one who will take better care of her than in my humble opinion her father does alick was duly grateful and said all that was proper though he wished that his friend had not mentioned the matter she alluded to as he felt somewhat nervous at the thought of appearing before strangers in the character of a melancholy lover however if there are any young ladies among them they'll not expect me to pay them attentions he thought the frigate and corvette were at sea with the prospect of a quick run to port royal during his quiet night watches alick's thoughts were ever occupied with stella hitherto the weather since she sailed had been unusually fine and she might he hoped have escaped the dangers of the sea but there were others to which she was too likely to be exposed on board a vessel engaged as he understood the brig was in landing arms and ammunition and in running contraband goods the colonel himself murray fully believed had nothing to do with such proceedings but he would notwithstanding be placed in a dangerous position should the vessel be captured while so employed and then to what a fearful risk might not stella be exposed he shuddered at the thought again and again it occurred to him the two ships had got to the southward of st domingo in those piping times of peace there was very little excitement at sea no enemy to be encountered no vessels to be chased except perhaps a slaver from the coast of africa there had however been a steady breeze all sail being carried and the officers were congratulating themselves on making a quick passage when about noon it suddenly fell calm 
the sun struck down from the cloudless sky with intense heat making the pitch in the seams of the deck bubble up and run over the white planks while every particle of iron or brass felt as hot as if just come out of a furnace the chips from the carpenter's bench floated alongside and the slush from the cook's pots scarcely mingled with the clear water till a huge mouth rising to the surface swallowed the mass down with a gulp creating a ripple which extended far away from the ship's side the atmosphere was sultry and oppressive in the extreme for air there was none it was a question whether it was hotter on deck in the shade or below in the sun there was not much doubt about the matter the sails hung motionless against the masts even the dog vanes refused to move the smoke ascending from the galley fire rose in a thin column till gradually spreading out it hung like a canopy above the ship the men moved sluggishly about their duties with no elasticity in their steps and even jack and adair the briskest of the brisk felt scarcely able to drag their feet after them the ocean was like a sheet of burnished silver so dazzling that it pained the eye to gaze at it ever and anon its polished surface would be broken by a covey of flying fish rising into the air in a vain effort to escape some hungry foe a nautilus or portuguese man-of-war would glide by proving that the wind had nothing to do with its movement or the dark triangular fin of a shark might be seen as the monster with savage eye moved slowly round the ship watching for anything hove overboard woe betide the careless seaman who might lose his balance aloft and drop within reach of the creature's jaws in spite of the heat several of the ship's boys rather than remain stewing below or roasting on deck were skylarking in the fore-rigging chasing each other into the top or up to the cross-trees and along the yards now swarming up by a lift now sliding down a stay the most active of the boys and generally their leader though one of the smallest was jerry knott he had been over the masthead several times keeping well before the rest when he made his way out to the end of the starboard fore-yard arm at that moment mr scrofton the boatswain coming on deck and reflecting probably that having been deprived of their tails they were not as fit as their ancestral monkeys to amuse themselves as they were doing and might come to grief called the youngsters down jerry startled by the boatswain's voice cast his eye on deck instead of fixing it on the topping lift a small body was seen falling and a splash was heard man overboard shouted numerous voices lower the starboard quarter boat cried jack rogers who was officer of the watch and having given the order he rushed forward and had sprung into the main chains intending to jump overboard and support the boy till the boat could pick them up when he saw the youngster throw up his arms a piercing shriek rent the air that bright face a moment before turned towards him had disappeared a ruddy circle marking the spot where it had been with difficulty he restrained the impulse which had prompted him to leap into the water to which had he given way he knew that he would probably have shared the fate of the poor boy 
the boat notwithstanding was lowered and the men rowed round and round the spot hoping to get a blow at their foe with the boat-hook and an axe with which one of them had armed himself but neither the shark nor his hapless victim again appeared the only thing which came to the surface was jerry's straw hat crushed and blood-stained the heat increased the sun itself seemed to grow larger the sky became of a metallic tint the sea lost its silvery brilliancy and gradually assumed the hue of molten lead the captain having several times examined his barometer came on deck all hands shorten sail he shouted out and while the boatswain was turning up the crew he ordered a signal to be made to the corvette to follow his example the topmen swarmed on the yards the idlers were at their stations be smart about it lads he shouted in a few minutes every sail was furled with the exception of a closely reefed fore topsail braced sharp up royal and topgallant yards were sent down and the masts struck the captain made another signal to the corvette to hasten her proceedings but her commander showed but little disposition to do so what's hemming making such a fuss about he was reported to have said why the sea is as smooth as a mill-pond and if a strong breeze does spring up on a sudden which i have my doubts about we shall have plenty of time to trim sails i should think i ought to know how to take care of my own ship and don't require to be dictated to by a young fellow who wore long clothes when i was a lieutenant captain hemming in the meantime as he walked the deck of the frigate ever and anon cast a vexed glance at the corvette babbicome will be having his sticks about his ears if he does not look sharp he muttered obstinate old donkey were it not for those with him i should be glad to see him receive the lesson he'll get to a certainty still not a breath of air stirred the dog veins the ocean remained as glass-like as before but thick clouds appeared in the north and in a short time rain began to fall it soon ceased and a stillness like death succeeded the pattering sound of the following drops on a sudden the dark clouds seen before in the distance covered the sky except in the zenith where an obscure circle of imperfect light was visible while a dismal darkness gathered round the ships the midshipmen of the frigate and several others had begun to think the captain over-cautious one would suppose that he had changed places with old babbicome observed norris see they are letting all stand on board the corvette no they are not though see there's hands aloft shorten sail exclaimed higson good reason too they must be smart about it look there he pointed to the north-east where a long white line was seen sweeping on towards the ship and rapidly increasing in height and thickness while a roar like that of distant thunder was heard yet more shrill than thunder the sound every instant becoming louder and shriller till it seemed like that of countless voices screaming at their highest pitch on came the breath of the mighty hurricane not seen except by its effect on the ocean which now began to leap and foam rising into huge rolling billows sweeping along in threatening array the foam which flew from them 
forming one vast sheet covering the ocean while vivid lightning bursting from the clouds flashed in all directions with dazzling brilliancy the furious wind struck the frigate on her broadside in a moment over she heeled and the close reefed fore topsail blown out of the bolt ropes fluttered wildly in shreds which speedily lashed and twisted themselves round the yard the helm was put up after a struggle the frigate answered to it and off she flew before the wind passing close under the stern of the corvette which lay with her masts gone on her beam ends the sheets of foam sweeping over her almost concealing her from sight the crew of the corvette had been swarming aloft and some had already laid out on the yards when the hurricane struck her over she heeled the tall masts bending like willow wands the sheets were let fly but it was too late the men called down by the officers endeavoured to spring back into the tops and those who could descended on deck but many had no time to escape in one instant it seemed the three masts with a fearful crash went by the board carrying all on them into the seething ocean and the lately trim corvette lay a helpless meek exposed to the fury of the raging which dashed with relentless fury over her efforts were made by those on deck to rescue their drowning shipmates whose piercing shrieks for help rose even above the loud uproar of the tempest whose shrill voice seemed to mock their cries some few were hauled on board but many were swept away before aid could be rendered to them the masts also were thundering with terrific force against the side threatening every moment to stave in the stout planks and to send the ship and all on board to the bottom to clear the wreck was the first imperative work to be performed murray followed by a party of men armed with axes sprang into the main chains to cut away the main rigging while other officers were similarly engaged on that of the fore and mizzen masts he saw at that instant the captain of the main top a fine young seaman who was at his station when the mast went still clinging to it a cask with a line was hove into the sea in the hopes that it might reach him but this the mass of spars and sails rendered impossible murray shouted to him to try and make his way along the mast no no he answered in return knowing that he would be washed off should he venture on the attempt cut cut the reiterated blows of the butt ends of the masts allowed of no alternative the bright axes gleamed while the seamen rapidly cut the ropes as the last shroud was severed the gallant topman waved his hand a farewell to his shipmates and a faint cheer reached their ears as the tangled mass of spars rigging and sails floated away clear of the ship they had already however committed fearful damage the carpenter sounded the well he reported six feet of water the pumps were rigged and the hands set to work to try and overcome the leak while he and his mates went below to ascertain the locality of the injury the ship had received meantime the hatches were battened down to prevent the water 
from the seas which broke on board increasing the mischief End of section nine